Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. If you're a, a guest with us this morning, it's so cool to have you with us. I'm Josh, and uh, along with my wife Elizabeth and the team here, we, we all lead together here at Activate. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, I've never seen a pastor look that cool before. This, is, uh, this was a tradition that was started not by me um, three, three Christmases ago. Where are, the, where are my enemies? Abel is one. Where's a, there, Amanda and Abel? They started three years ago. They said, hey, what about if we got you a Christmas outfit to wear and you kind of, we won't show you what it is until you get to church on Sunday and you have to wear it. And I was all a bit like new pastor, insecure, wanted to make friends. And um, I was like, sure, guys, I'll do whatever you say. And, uh, and it was a, do you remember it? It was a Star Wars like Stormtrooper helmet Christmas shirt. And I thought, not too bad. Not too bad. Clever. And then the next year they said, do you want to do it again? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And it was like, I was like an angel onesie with a crown. It was just in wings, right? Yeah. And my daughters just thought I was amazing. And then, and then this year Abel says, look, we've had to order your outfit from China. I'm like, whoa, it's like escalating, escalating. So if you want to know what happens next year, this is the deal. You've got to stay in the church for a year and then you can find out what next year looks like. I have reserved the right to veto if it veers into inappropriate territory, but actually, I'm digging it. So, (laughs) um, and I reckon if you put on like a nice pair of jeans and a shirt underneath, I'm busting this out on Christmas Day, like for sure, right? It's it's good. And the perk is I get to keep what they buy me. So, so there you go. Anyway, Merry Christmas. It's our last uh, gathering of... 2021, and as Jared was saying before, no church next Sunday in the building, no church on the 2nd of January. We're going to all come together and meet at the Botanical Gardens, kids' play area, uh, pool area, on the 9th of January at 11 o'clock. Um, and it doesn't really matter at this stage what kind of color we're in, that's doable. The rule is that whatever the limit on numbers is, you stick to that limit, and then you're allowed a two meter gap, and then another group the same number. So when you're outside having a picnic, like two meters is like, it's nothing, right? So we're going to do that, and then we'll be back here on the 16th. What that looks like on the 16th, we, don't, we just don't know yet. We don't know whether it will be green or orange or red, whether the government will have changed their minds, whether a micron will have made a difference, all that kind of stuff. So just keep an eye on your emails, and we'll have to make a decision closer to the time. But this is our last one this morning. So I wanted to say Merry Christmas, and obviously we want to do a bit of a, a Christmas thing, hence the Christmas carols. And I'll tell you what, if you get through the whole message, at the end of the gathering, we've bought donuts for everybody. Yes, donuts. Because what you need this time of the year is more bad food. So we're going to have that for you. All right. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up this morning, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. But we're going old school, baby. We're going King James Version, all right? Because I love the King James Version in some areas. In verse eight, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, why don't we use that word anymore? Like that is an awesome word. Instead, we use the word like. Have you got kids? Every second word with kids. Like, I went around to, like, my cousins the other day, and, like, they were so, like, we just did all this, like, cool stuff. And we think that's, like, a 2021 problem, but I think back in the day, 1800s, 
these little urchins are running around the streets of London and it's low this and it's low that and low I got home and low I was hanging out with low my friends and low they're so low awesome <laughs> right low the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid this, why don't we talk like that anymore sore afraid I don't know what that means I think it means I was so afraid it hurt my body you know what I mean? Like I was so scared that I was in physical pain. I'm going to start using that phrase. Instead of just being scared, I am sore afraid. Often people think, man, seeing an angel would be so cool. I'd love to see an angel. But no kidding, every time someone in the Bible sees an angel, they pack themselves. It's like, after seeing an angel, you've got to back out of that conversation. Because if you turn around, it's too embarrassing. So they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Sorry, Calvinists. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. I could be naughty this morning because you've got three weeks to get over it. Uh, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. I want to talk to you this morning about peace. This is my last message for 2021. You're going to go away, you're going to do your Christmas holidays, your summer holidays, go camping, do whatever it is that you do. This is my last chance to impart something to you this morning. I want to talk to you about peace. Don't you think it's fascinating that the day Jesus was born, the moment he came into this world, the angels opened up heaven and they said, glory to God on the highest and on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah looked into the future and he said this about that day. He said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Whose shoulder? His shoulder. Calm the farm. It's okay. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of what? Peace. He is the Prince of of peace. I want to talk to you about peace this morning, but I don't want to talk to you about worldly peace. I want to talk to you about spiritual, godly, biblical peace. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 27. It's kind of like his valedictorian speech to his disciples. He's wrapping up his ministry. He knows he's going to go to the cross. He's giving them some, here's what I want you to do. Here's important stuff for you to know. You're right, Janet? Gotcha? Good. And he says to them, hey, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And then he says this, I do not give to you as the world gives. What does that mean? I don't give to you as the world gives. I think what Jesus is saying is like, hey, the peace that I give you is different to the peace that the world has. If the, if the world were to take peace, put it in a box, wrap it up and give it to you, it would look different to the peace that I'm talking to you about. I'm giving you peace, but it's different to the world peace. I don't give you the peace that the world gives you. Does that make sense? If you look up the word peace in the dictionary or you Google it, which is how you look up words in 2021, it defines peace as freedom from disturbance. Right? It's that classic picture of a mum, you know, on the loo, someone's knocking on the door and she says, can't I just have a moment's peace? Right? Liz gets so frustrated by that. And even more so when the kids are banging on the door. And 
<laughs> this is a little wee joke. Right, freedom from disturbance. But how many people know that if that's how you define peace, good luck finding it now. Because the whole world is disturbed. Right, our jobs have been disturbed, our careers have been disturbed, our churches have been disturbed, the people around us have been disturbed, relationships have been disturbed. There is disturbance everywhere. If you try and find peace as the world defines it, good luck. You're going to have to go move to an island somewhere and cut off all of your friends and family. That's not how God defines peace. That's not biblical spiritual peace. You see, spiritual peace is an internal peace, right? The world says that peace is based on what's happening around you. God says, no, no, peace is based on what's happening inside of you. The world says peace is based on external factors, external situations. God says, no, no, peace is based on internal situations. The world says it's possible to live in a peaceful environment. But God says it's possible for a peaceful environment to live in you, right? That is the peace that we are talking about this morning. So what I want to do this morning real quick is I want to give you just a couple of practical steps so that when you go home this afternoon, you are armored up, to put it a certain way. And you've got some techniques and some tips to have that peace. Because I don't know about you, but that peace I have struggled to lay a hold of at times, How many people, by a show of hands, would say, at some point in the last few months, I've certainly lost my peace, right? Uh, I I shared a a meme to a bunch of Christchurch pastors the other day, and it it was a serious meme around how you can tell that you're getting close to burnout. And they had like six steps. And then I added a seventh one, which is you want to punch people in the throat. Although that was like a, that's like a good way to tell that you have, you have reached burnout, right? Um, look at this, Colossians 3.15. It says, let the, this is Paul. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Listen, as believers, as disciples of Jesus, peace is something you are called to. It's not an option for us. It is part of what makes us who we are. It is part of a Christian's DNA. You must have this godly peace in your life. So I've called it six peace pieces. All right? I actually, at one point I called it the six pieces of the pizza pizza. The six, the six pieces of the peace pizza. And then I started trying to make a slideshow where every point was another piece coming up. And I was like, oh, this is, I'm losing my piece. So <laughs> I, I just deleted all of that. And it's just called the six piece pieces, all right? But we're going to look at a passage of scripture that you'll probably know pretty well. It is uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. And in this passage, Paul makes two promises, but they're conditional on us doing six things. And so we're going to look at these two promises, and then we're going to look at the six things, and then we're going to eat donuts. Is that cool? Eating donuts is actually number five on the... No, it's not really. Just joking. All right. He says this in Philippians 4, verse 7. He says, look, and... So he's finishing a thought. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many people want the peace of God to guard their heart and to guard their mind? I do. In this season, has it ever been more important than to have a peace that guards your heart and guards your mind? It's amazing how quickly my heart can twist into frustration or anxiety or aggression or annoyance. People will just rub you the wrong way. Have you noticed that in this season? You need God's peace to guard your heart. You need God's peace to guard your mind. And Paul says, hey, it's available for you here, 
but there's some things you've got to do first. And then in verse 9, he says this, and, again, finishing a thought, and the God of peace will, will be with you. <laughs> I like that. Your second row, you're like, I'm not close enough to him. Get closer. Right? You can, you can come sit at my feet if you like. <laughs> oh, oh, blasphemy, heresy. I'm not wearing socks. I tried to put on a pair of socks this morning. They were too small. I was like, I've gotten so fat, my feet have put on weight. Right. The God of peace will be with you. You guys are so distracting. Just stop it. God of peace will be with you. So Paul, he makes this first promise right in verse 7. And his first promise is if you do these things, then you get this peace that will guard your heart and your mind. But then he makes another promise a couple of verses later. It's like he's gone, actually, this is even bitterer. If you do these two extra things, then not only do you get the peace, but you actually get the God of peace with you. It's like he's gone, actually, I'd like to supersize this. I'd like to up the ante. So let's just look at these things, all right? The first one, he says this in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And there's a lot of people that think that is more true today than it's ever been before. And I would say, logically, it must be. Do not be, think about it, do not be anxious. Everyone's like, whoa, did he just make a really deep theological statement? No, it's just obviously closer today than it was yesterday. Ugh. <laughs> do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then he does the promise, right? And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, guards your hearts and your minds, and Christ Jesus. Four things he lists. Number one, if you're writing it down, rejoice always. He says, you've got to do this. If you want that peace that guards your heart and guards your mind, rejoice always. But not just rejoice always. He says, rejoice always in the Lord. You know, another definition for the word rejoice means to delight. He says, hey, look, delight in the Lord. It, he doesn't say you have to always be happy. Doesn't say, you know, every cloud's got a silver lining, always look for the good. Look, some things just crap. <laughs> Losing your job because of a conviction that you carry is crap. You don't have to put on a happy face, wear a mask, and be like, well, I'm just so happy. You can be like, it sucks. But you can still rejoice in what he's doing in your life. You can still rejoice in the fact that he loves you. You can still delight in your relationship with him. You can go, look, no matter what is falling apart in my life, he still loved me enough to die on a cross for me. So what we're celebrating this morning is that his son was brought into the earth with one very specific purpose, and that was to lay his life down for us. It doesn't matter what's happening around us, that is always true. So first thing he says you've got to do is always rejoice in the Lord. Second thing he says is be obviously humble. Ooh. The actual scripture says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Aramaic definition of that word gentleness is humility. Let your humility be evident to all. He doesn't say be humble. He says be so humble that everybody in your world notices it. How many of us could say that in this season, after we interact with people, they go away and say, man... Do you know what I like most about that person? So humble. How many of us can say that? Like just, I go away from that person and just their humility, their willingness to see things from other people's perspective, their willingness to lay down their life, to sacrifice, you know, some things on the altar of relationship. Like just their humility is so obvious. How many of us could say that? That is a challenge 
Is my fly down or something? You're like... She thinks she's humble. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Here's a tip. If you have to tell someone you're humble, you are not humble. I was was listening to a podcast during the week, and the guy was talking about a conversation he had with a friend of his, uh, or a pastor friend, an acquaintance, really. And he said he was, this guy, was, was bragging about his church. His church is so great, so good at this, they're so generous, and they're so humble. And he must have made that comment a couple of times in the conversation, because his friend started laughing. He said, what are you laughing at? And the guy just said, well, for a church as humble as yours, you certainly seem very aware of it. (laughs) And uh, the guy was like, man, he just shot me down so hard. And I thought, yeah, that's very true, right? So you're obviously humble. That is a big challenge for me. I think, how often do I interact with someone and they go away saying, you know what I like about him the most? Just his humility. His ability to put his hand up and say, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. You could be right about this. I could be wrong. It's not about who's right or wrong. It's about can we, how do we just work out this together, right? It's what the church needs is people that are obviously humble. The third thing he says is don't tolerate anxiety. Wow. Don't tolerate anxiety. He says do not be anxious about anything. In fact, I love the, the language that Paul uses here because there's, no, um, there's no, what's the word I'm looking for? There's certainty in it. There's no gray areas You rejoice always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Do not be anxious about anything. Like there's no gray areas. Like we'd be inclined to go, well, you know, do I have to rejoice always? Certainly there's some instances where I don't have to rejoice. He's like, nah, always. I reckon going to a church with Paul as the pastor would be pretty challenging. He's a black and white dude. Let your gentleness be evident to all. But what about the idiots, Paul? Like I don't have, surely I don't have to be humbled. No, everybody. If everybody's not commenting on how humble you are, don't count. What about anxiety? Well, surely I'm allowed to be anxious about some things. When I mean, the government's doing some pretty crazy stuff, there's all the, like, no, don't be anxious about anything, he says. I was having a conversation with someone the other day. I said, why, if it says so often in the Bible not to worry about stuff, which it does, even Jesus says, don't worry. I said, why would God make us with the ability to do that? That's an interesting question, if you think about it. Why do we have this capacity to worry and to get anxious and to get stressed? And then God says, don't do it. Like, don't do it. Well, why'd you make me be able to do it then? It's similar to anger, right? Like, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. So it's possible to be angry the right way, but we are often angry the wrong way. Here's, Here's the way that I look at it. Like, the enemy, the devil, he cannot create, right? So God is the creator. He creates us. He creates everything, and then the enemy comes along and goes, well, I can't create something, but what I can do is I can take that thing, and I can twist it, and I can pervert it, and I can manipulate it, and I can pollute it, and I can use it for my own ends. And so he takes a a righteous thing that God has given us like anger. We are meant to get angry about things like injustice and oppression and poverty. That is supposed to stir something up inside of us like it did in Jesus in the temple. That's why God gave us this ability. And when we are using it righteously, it results in a righteous action. But the enemy comes along and he takes that gift of anger, that that gift of I'm stirred up in my spirit, and he pollutes it and he puts selfishness in it and pride and he manipulates it. And then it comes out in unrighteous action. Does that make sense? 
He hasn't created something new. He's taken something God created and he's twisted it. So the question is, what has he taken and twisted and polluted that causes us to worry? And the answer is faith. Because in Hebrews it says faith is what? The evidence of things unseen. It's being sure of what you hope for, the evidence of things unseen. Now, if you take that down a positive track, then it's a positive thing. But you can take that same statement and go down a negative track. This ability that God has created all of us to do, he's given us imagination and, and thoughts and this ability to take something that doesn't exist today and imagine it as if it does. To take something that might not exist yet and picture what it could look like and plan around it. And when you do that biblically, and when you do that through the lens of redemption, you can take amazing things and we can manifest them, right? We can picture something in our head and work towards it and then bring it into being. But if we take that same gift, that same ability to imagine into the future, to picture tomorrow, to pull it into today, and we go down a negative route, it results in anxiety and stress and worry. And so Paul is saying, that is not okay. Do not allow the enemy to pollute this beautiful gift of faith that God has given you. Don't take this gift, this ability to see into tomorrow, to pull it into today, to declare what is not yet as though it were, and then pollute it and defile it by declaring negativity and pain and hurt and worst case scenario. Don't do it. Don't tolerate it. And so when that thought pops into your head, and it's crazy how often the enemy will just throw something like that at you. You know what I mean? You're just, not, you're just minding your own business, and then bam, I'll be at home, la, 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 minding my own business, you know. And then all of a sudden, this thought pops in my head, hey, what would happen if Liz and the kids all got killed in a car accident? Where's that come from? Right? And I'll have this thought, ah, how would I find out about that? I wonder, I, I guess a cop would come to my house. And I see in my head, like, a cop walking up my driveway. And, and I'll go down, and I think, well, he'd probably tell me, then how would I respond? And I'm, oh, I'd be really upset. And then I think, how, how would I tell everybody else? Would I ask? And like, the crazy stuff. It's amazing how often you just, you just start going down this route where you take this ability to picture and dream and imagine, and you use it for evil. Don't tolerate anxiety. So when you start to feel those, those thoughts come in, you just stop it right there. You say, hey, no, I'm not going to allow this gift of faith to be used this way. All right? And then the fourth thing he says is we take our issues to God. Right? So we've got rejoice always, be obviously humble, don't tolerate anxiety, and take our issues to God. And then if you do that, he says the peace of God will transcend your hearts and minds, will guard your hearts and minds, rather, in Christ Jesus. And you think that might be the end of it, but then he makes a couple more statements and he goes, oh, you know, and if you do that, he says, then the God of peace will be with you, which is even better. It's like next level. So what are the last two things? He circles back after verse seven and he says, finally, brothers and sisters, it's us. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And there's the promise. The God of peace will be with you. So two more things. Number one, only think about good things. This is, this is a point of tension for some people because there are a number of Christians that want to fight for their right to think about bad things. 
I have to think about bad things, Josh. They say someone has to be thinking about this stuff. Someone has to be on the front lines of this, protesting this or against this. Or and The problem with it is it's not what the Bible teaches. I mean, I, I welcome feedback. You want to find some passages in the Bible where Paul says, hey, get concerned, get stressed out, get anxious, get a group around you where you talk about all the things that you're concerned about. Even though the Bible says very clearly, take everything to God. It's amazing how often we take things to God eventually, but after we've talked to a few people first that agree with us and got their feedback and thoughts. and It says only think about good things. This is what Paul says. So that is a hard thing for a lot of us to do. Only think about good things. And then the second thing was practice what the Bible preaches. Paul actually says, hey, what you've seen in me, what you've heard in me, what you've learned from me, put it into practice. Obviously, we can't see him. We can't hear him because he's dead. But we can obviously read half of the New Testament, which Paul wrote. So I've rephrased it as practice what the Bible preaches. And he says, if you do these two things on top of the four things, then not only do you have a peace that guards your heart and your mind, but you've actually got the God of peace with you, like physically with you. All right? So number one, rejoice always in the Lord. Number two, be obviously humble. Heart's hard. Number three, don't tolerate anxiety. Number four, we take our issues to God. It's a great question to ask yourself when you've got a concern or an anxiety or a stress is am I taking this to God or am I taking this to other people? Number five, only think about good things. Number six, practice what the Bible preaches. You say, well, what does the Bible preach? Well, I've just given you five things. Practice those five things, but there's a lot more in the Bible as well. And those are the six peace pieces. Let's read it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about those things. It's a very simple test to ask yourself. When you're thinking about something, when you've got concerns on your heart, when you've got some anxieties, ask yourself this question. Is this pure is it lovely? Is it admirable what I'm thinking about? Is it true? Is it right? Is it noble? And if it's not those things, then go, okay, the Bible says don't think about that stuff. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I want to leave you this morning with some practical tools so that when you go on holiday, you've got what you need for peace to guard your heart and your mind and for the God of peace to be with you. Is that cool? All right, let me pray for you this morning. I'll get the band to jump back up and we'll do one more song to finish up this morning. You can pick whichever one you want to do, Abel. It's all cool. But let me pray for you and then we're going to have some donuts. Yes, I bought a lot of donuts. Mm. And, and can I just say, too, on a personal note, and I'll just try and do it real quick so I don't get emotional, I just want to thank every single person here for just for who you are and for how you've shown up this year. Thank you for sticking with us. I know it's been a tough time. It's been a lot of anxiety going around, and 
there's been a lot of what are we doing as a church and what are we not doing. And I just, I, during the, the songs while we were singing, and I could hear the voices behind me and we sing loud in this church. It's something I'm so, rightly or wrongly, it's something I'm so proud of. It's just volume. I know it's not a spiritual thing. <laughs> it's not, people are like, what's happening in your church? I'm like, well, they're loud. <laughs> like that's, it's, I don't know if it's an ideal measure for spirituality, but if it is, we're like up here, guys. Like, we're so, super spiritual. But I was up the front, you guys were all singing loudly, and I just thought, man, what a freaking cool church. Man, like, you're all so awesome. And it is a privilege, and I know Liz would say this if she were here too, it's a privilege to be leading you guys through, you know, this season and into next year. So I'm excited about what God's going to do in 2022. I don't know what it is, but it'll be awesome. Okay, so from me to you, thank you very much. All those that have joined throughout the year, those that have been with us since we started, very, very cool people in this church. I love this place. All right, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this year. God, even though it's had ups and it's had downs, Lord, you have been with us through all of it. Lord, I pray a special uh, impartation, God, of peace on those that have lost jobs or careers or relationships because of uh, you know, the stance that they've chosen to take. Lord, I pray a special impartation of peace on those that have made a different choice and are having to navigate uh, relational connections with their friends and support family members that have chosen to do things differently. Lord, I just release this morning over every single person that calls Activate Christchurch home, those that are here, those that are visiting, those that are watching online, just your peace. Lord, you said in Matthew that you sent your disciples out two by two and you said when you enter a house to let your peace rest on that house if it's deserving. And so God, we just uh, release your peace to rest on this house and everyone that calls this place home that they would take your peace out of here and rest it on their houses as well. Lord, let, let people come into the lives of everyone here, family and friends, and just, just recognize that there is a peace that we carry that is unusual, it is unworldly. Lord, let the way that we respond to people in this season be a light that shines them towards you, God. Lord, I pray for every single person here that they would have a great Christmas they'd have a great holiday season, that they would be refreshed and recharged. And Lord, I just, um, I just want to release over every person too, Lord, just an increasing awareness of the call of God on their life. God, I pray that next year, 2022, they would say, I, I learned more about God and more about me and more about who I am called to be than I ever learned before. Lord, let that be our cry for next year, that we just discover you in greater depths and discover who we are in you. God, we thank you that you're with us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And Jesus, we say happy birthday for next Saturday, even though it's not technically your birthday because calendars are all mixed up and stuff. I am aware. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing one more song.